With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How, how's everyone doing this week? Good. Doing good. Very good. We also that at the same time. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, promote, extend, trade this week. I think this is a, another good one, if I do say so myself. And on this date back in 1962, the Beatles performed in front of a live BBC audience for the first time ever. Um, so basically, it was their radio debut. And it's worth noting that at the time, the band consisted of John, Paul, George, and Pete Best. So... Noted from Complex to Queens fan Ringo Starr was not mentioned, was not, was not there yet. So, in honor of the Beatles radio debut, what Mets debuts are we going to promote, extend, or trade? First, we have Kaz Matsui's 2004 debut against the Braves. He went three for three with two doubles, a homer, three RBI, and two walks. Next, we have Colin McHugh's 2012 debut against the Rockies. He pitched seven innings. He allowed two hits. He did not give up a run. He walked one, and he struck out nine. That was in Colorado, right? Yes. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. What, that's what I thought. And the final one that we have here is Stephen Matt's 2000 debut, 2015 <laughs> debut, when he went seven and two thirds innings and allowed two earned runs on five hits. He walked three, he struck out six, and he went three for three with a double and drove in four. I think there are two two conflicts you have to resolve in the last between McHugh and Matts, right? First, do you find the no name prospect debuting and doing really well more intriguing, or are you more intrigued in the long awaited top prospect finally making it? Second all in cowgill erasure, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Second, how much uh Extra credit does McHugh get for doing that in Colorado, of all places? How much extra credit does Matt's have for having a cool grandpa? So. I mean, that's, that's, that's <laughs> a fair point as well. It's yeah, probably yeah. my extent for precisely that reason, yes. It's hard because all three of these are cool, like, in three different ways. Like like you were saying, Matt's is, like, the long-awaited guy, and he also got hits, and it was in the middle of a season where they went to the World Series. Yeah, and McHugh was like, I remember being like, "Who?" And then he Oops. dominated in in Colorado, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then Matsui was like a hyped thing, like that was like a super big deal. It was a big deal for uh, child for for me as a as a kid, Kaz Matsui. I remember thinking yeah, it, he was going to be so good. <laughs> it felt like a huge deal. They have Reyes in second. I'm so sorry for you. Yes. Later in the season. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Reyes started at second for him, and it didn't go well for anyone involved. Uh, I have. I think the... I'm. I think I'm extending maths for sure, just for the uh, hitting, like the all-around game and how that season went. Like I'm giving him credit for a season, which is kind of crappy, but I don't care. That was a. It was a fun part of that season. Like it was a part of a World Series run season, and I remember that game like vividly. He was also just filthy in those days. Yeah, like early maths was, was before before everything started to go south. Like um... yeah. Just, just great stuff. Ah, uh, Christ! So I, I have to admit, I, w- I didn't, wasn't into baseball yet for the Matsui debut. So that's the trade for me. <sighs> McHugh or Mats? That's tough. I think I'm going to extend McHugh because. I mean, 2015 was great, and that Mets game was incredible. Don't get me wrong, but those were some dark years for the Mets. Yeah, that's true. And, and McHugh came up out of nowhere. I was like, "Oh, this is fun. This guy will be cool." Of course, then they lost him on waivers, like for reasons why why they decided to. Uh, uh, uh... Wait, no, they didn't lose him on waivers. They, they traded they him for Eric, Eric Young Eric Jr. Young. Right? Yeah. Yes. Oh my God, that's somehow even worse. <laughs> noted son of the Garden State, Eric Young Jr. <laughs> so this is all your I mean, fault then. Eric Young has one walk-off career, or at least more than, maybe more than one. But I remember one walk-off home run, and McHugh has zero. So uh, Check who's me. The, who's the real winner? <laughs> Can Colin McHugh switch hit? I, <laughs> I don't think so. I was annoyed when they threw away Colin McHugh for nothing. Yeah, he's gone weird. on to have a nice little career. I mean, I don't know that he's still viable. The elbow injuries kind of caught up with him. But he had a – for someone who had basically no prospect pedigree, he had put together a nice little five, seven-year run roughly. 
he has more of a career than some guys with prospect pedigree. Absolutely. Yes. Let's did he get a World Series? I mean, it was with the Astros, of course, but did he get a ring? I think he did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd assume so. Wikipedia lists him as a World Series champion, so. There we go. <laughs> Wikipedia is never wrong. Hey, and also the Rays gave him almost $2 million this offseason. That probably means something. Or not. Who knows? Honestly, that's um, my barometer for having, like, a like a, a meaningful career. Like, you could play, like, two days, but if you're a World Series champion... Oh, fuck, pitched, fuck yeah. Nothing else matters. <laughs> and he pitched in the postseason, too, for two games. So. Yeah, he's, he's had quite a career, Colin McHugh. 12, 12 career wins! He's never had a negative war season. That's Wait, a lot. He only has 12 career wins? No, war. 12 career oh, war. Oh, oh, okay. I was yeah, about to sorry. say. Wait a minute. He's 58-43 for his career. He's a decent little career. I forgot. Why, why the Mets decided to... Hey, that, that would have been useful pitching depth to have in 2015 or 2016 or yeah, 2017. But <laughs> he wouldn't have become the Colin McHugh that he was with the Mets. Yeah, he basically he would have, like, said that insisted himself. Insisted on him throwing yeah. sinkers. And <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's true. <laughs> he would have continued being the Mets Colin McHugh, which is a I don't know, probably like thirtieth to thirty to forty, kind of in that range. Like, like prospect. Yeah, yeah. I see that being the uh, the Colin McHugh. All right, so we have um, we have a major development regarding the 2021 season. I was going to actually, when I was doing planning here, I was going to start the episode this week by talking about how the schedule looked for all the different minor league affiliates. And as I was doing so, I was kind of browsing Twitter, and I saw a report by Jeff Passan that said that Major League Baseball was going to delay the start of the AAA season for about a month. Basically, AAA was going to start in, in April, and then everybody else was going to start until May. Well, now, everybody is going to start in May. Um, in lieu of the AAA season, they are going to be doing um, alternate sites, just like they did last year. Now, all things considered, the alternate sites pretty much are going to be what AAA would have been had it been operating in in April. You know, you'll have your your depth guys keeping them in shape, keeping them ready. You'll have some of your more noteworthy prospects and farmhands. You know, all that inter squad stuff, inter squad stuff going on instead of organized games. So, really, it's not. Uh, not too big of a deal. But here's where things kind of get tricky. And obviously, Major League Baseball doesn't know what's going to happen either. So, you know, and obviously we don't, <laughs> if they don't. But in that report, some exec- some executives said that they think that the whole alternate, alternate site concept is going to last past the first month of the season. Uh, into, you know, when the miners would actually start. And the idea is that the alternate site idea, it's more protected, I guess is the best word. You know, less people are coming and going. You have more control over over COVID testing and protocols and all that kind of stuff. 
So if that's the case and those alternate sites last for more than just the first month of the season, that means obviously that certain players and certain prospects might not be rostered for the regular season for however long this kind of thing lasts, which would be pretty crazy. I mean, I don't want to say what's the point. Yeah, yeah, in a way. I don't want to say, like, what's the point of a season if they're going to do something like this and extend it into, you know, and overlap it into the the regular minor league season because I don't want to take away, you know, all the actual guys that will be playing. But, like, imagine if Ronnie Mariso does not play in 2021 because he's at the alternate site again all, all season. I mean, I do think it's worse, like... I don't think any team would do that to their top prospects. Just well, I mean, they're going to be obviously developing, but they'll be doing so out of the the public's eye, you know. Yeah. In in you know, again, it it I can see where they're coming from, and that it would be a a more sterile environment. I think that's but, the point. Yeah, but I mean, imagine just like all right. You know, this to say the the Brooklyn's. You know, we're going to go see Brooklyn, and <laughs> they're missing literally every single player who might be interesting. It kind of puts a damper on things. Yeah, it's a little. Seems to send us a bit of an odd message, if you ask me, as well. Like, yeah, screw you guys. You got you can go risk, put yourselves at risk, and play actual baseball because you got you 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 don't matter. Mm-hmm. Unless you're at the alternate site and then you're protected. That that part, I, like if you're if you're one of those guys who's not at the alternate site, what are you thinking? Like, I just meet for the organization. Well, you're probably thinking that anyway, but it, it must be particularly demoralizing. I mean, it it doesn't seem too well thought out. So hopefully that means that it's not actually going to be implemented past you know the start of the minor league season. But at the same time, not being things not being well thought out has never stopped Major League Baseball before. So I don't know. Rob Manfred doing something stupid, shocking. I know, right? Who would have thought? I mean, the idea—I don't think the idea of having an alternate site is bad in and of itself. But if you're still at a stage where you need an alternate site, they don't have a season. Yeah. I mean, at this point, either I think there's a very easy case to not have a season anyway. For the yeah, yeah. Either go all in or just don't do it. But trying to kind of wiggle wobble and, and tiptoe tip, tip through things like that, it just it feels like nobody's benefiting. It's the players, you know, are, they're, 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 the fans are going out to see, you know, their their favorite players and, and top prospects or whatever. Well, they're missing now. So you're going to see the guys who are not particularly noteworthy. The players themselves, like Lucas, you're saying, like that doesn't send doesn't feel good for them I'm sure and just the organizations they they need to figure out what the hell they're going to be doing regarding all of the covid protocols and letting fans in and everything like that themselves without the benefit of having the top draws it just seems like a weird situation so I'm reading the Passan article right now and at the end he says that 
it's likely the, the exact quote is this incarnation of the alternate site is likelier to skew older major league veterans and ascendant prospects who are on the cups cusp of the major leagues. Low level minor players plan to report to spring training towards the end of March that I use the facilities and then go to the minor leagues. So I wonder if this alternate site is kind of like if a team gets hit by COVID, you have two outfielders in, in working out that is quote unquote under contract. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Albert Almora might not go to triple a he might go to the alternate site like if he doesn't make the team for example so i wonder if that's the type of thinking it is like it's more about it's not really about the minors as so much as it's about major league protection and you have guys working out definitely possible i mean it's just this it's a very important thing to figure out and does not seem like it's particularly well figured out right now and you have uh that three weeks. I mean, we don't know the rules of the National League yet. Yeah, that's also very true. I mean, <laughs> like, it, I don't think it's been like. I think there's kind of reports that we're going to the league, the season with regular NL rules, like historical NL rules, I guess. But I don't think that's confirmed by anyone yet. Like, out and out, the negotiations are not happening. So. I just don't understand. How is it possible for everything to be so inefficiently run, so bad, so poorly done? Yeah. It's Especially if it's mind capitalism. Yeah. Just everything is terrible. Well, I mean, one thing that is not terrible is the fact that we do have spring training. Spring training has finally started. Baseball season is on the horizon. It's very encouraging. Hooray! <laughs> so, <laughs> obviously a bunch of uh, top prospects and stuff were invited to spring training. So, for the next couple of weeks, we're just going to kind of follow their progress and, you know, see how they're doing. So, first we'll we'll look at pitchers first. And then we'll spend, uh, after our break, we'll spend the rest of the time going over hitters because I think that's going to be the more interesting conversation with all of the different hitters and, and everything. So, um, pitchers first, Franklin Kilame and Riley Gilliam, they both pitched an inning and there's really nothing much to report on either one of them right now. Uh, Kilame was a scoreless inning. And Gilliam, he allowed two runs. He gave up a homer. That's gonna gonna be uh, what deterred the, the homers and just the the hard contact that players are gonna either will make or won't make off of Gilliam is really gonna decide his fate, I guess. Whether or not he's you know major league capable and and will have an important role or just kind of a, a throwaway role. It's only been like a week, yeah. but he's had the most disappointing spring, I think, because you'd expect him to be someone who, like, if this if this is going to work, it should be working by now, probably, given what his draft profile was, what we've seen in the minors, and again, it's like two outings, so maybe he's still ramping up or whatever, but that he's struggling to that degree is, is a little worrying. Next up is Sam McWilliams. He pitched one inning. He allowed uh, a hit. He walked one, and he struck out two. And the strikeouts, you know, 
he is a guy that's going to strike guys out. But I, I didn't really realize. Like, I don't know if this is just because I, yeah, I went back and I saw some videos of him, and I just didn't realize the mechanics are like so bad. It's different. Like he changed. Yeah. Yeah. Like Gary Keith and Ron were talking about it on the broadcast. He just like has no follow through. It's just. It's really weird. Yeah, it's it's all arms. Yeah. yeah, it's he just strides and it's not really even that big deep of a stride. Just delivers the ball and does like a little like a ballerina pirouette. It's Marcus Molina esque. It's not very repeatable, but no. for an inning at a time, I guess he's not going to be a starter. So no, I mean it, it works for him because obviously he's sitting in the low to win nineties. So and and top out tops out higher. So it, it's messy, but it works. You would think with like a, a bigger frame like that though, you'd want to get as much extension as you can. Like that's a big reason. Well, I guess now he's throwing 101 in spring, so it doesn't much matter. But early on, one of the big reasons Degrom was successful is because he had such absurd extension down the mound. His fastball looks like it's a couple ticks faster. Yeah, I went back and looked at some video of like some bigger pitchers to see. Is it just, you know, like, uh, is this a thing that a lot of guys do? And I, I kind of found it was hit or miss. A lot, about half of the guys that I was looking at, guys like Chris Young, um, Randy Johnson, Dylan Betances, um, the Dutch pitcher, Luck Van Mill, about half of them took, you know, just kind of a step and, and threw and didn't really have much of a stride or follow through. And then, the other one, the other half, you know, they did take deep strides. They had good follow-through. So I guess it's just really no rhyme or reason to it. The, the tallness, you know, the height is not uh, an impact on, on that or whatever. Um, next up, Thomas Zabucki. He pitched one inning. That we he, couldn't see. That we could not see. <laughs> well, no, I, your eyes just need to be better, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a that was even worse than the old Vegas camera. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. The Vegas camera sucked, but at least you could tell what was going on. Uh he allowed no oh excuse me, he allowed one hit, he struck out one, and he hit a batter. Um but we heard reports that his um fastball was basically where it was when I saw him in Columbia last, or excuse me, two years ago, you know, mid nineties, um, topping around ninety four. That's good because that th- those kind of suspect, ambiguous reports that we got from the alternate site and full instructs that saying that he was sitting in like the high eighties and not really topping out much higher. Either those reports are just dead wrong, or it was something temporary and Zapucky worked past whatever it was. And he's, you know, good to go again, which is encouraging. The hype train is leaving the station. Get back <laughs> yeah. on the Sapucky hype train. Let's go. <laughs> Having, uh, if we had a better, um, I don't even know what the right word would be. If we had a better vantage point of what he was doing, maybe we could have seen how the curveball is coming along, how the change-up was, how guys were reacting to it, uh, the movement of it, but um, wasn't really in the cards, so we'll just have to wait for that for another day, I guess. Um, um, this, at least the reports of this, has gotten me interested in seeing him the next time he pitches in the uh, 
in spring. I'm sure yes. he's not going to come. Like, before I was, like, kind of out on him just because with the velo reports and stuff, you can't survive with that. But if he's throwing mid-90s again, then sign me up, put him in the bullpen. Like, put him in Syracuse's pen and let him throw. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there's a serious lack of lefty relief depth on this team as well. And just cheap relievers in general. We have Aaron Loop and Jerry Blevins, and that's about it. Jerry Blevins should not be getting major league time in this <laughs> fight. As much as I like Jerry Blevins. Yeah, Tarpley. Tarpley. That's, that's you know, just dominant names right there. Well, speaking of dominance, the last pitcher who pitched is Harold Gonzalez, and he uh, threw an inning. He did not allow a run, and he struck out a batter. And so Zupaki, we heard reports that his velocity was back, which is good. And floating around the internet again were some reports about uh, Gonzalez's velocity, and. According to those reports, he was sitting 92 to 94, topping out at 96. And I can assure you, Harold Gonzalez is not topping out in the uh, mid-90s. Makes me think the gun's hot. Yeah, Yeah, just a little bit. Because I have trouble believing that one. (laughs) No offense, Harold. I mean, he's like, what, 26 at this point? Or is he young? The point is, we've seen so much Harrell, not a lot of room for growth physically, so it seems extremely unlikely that he found five miles of fastball velocity. Especially when in Vegas, which they had pretty reliable radio reports, um, you know, the same thing. He was still sitting 91, actually like 89, 90, 91, so... Over the course of a year and a half, two years, whatever it's been, he didn't, like you said, didn't find <laughs> massive velocity. Press X to doubt. Yeah, oh yes, definitely. It sure would be nice though if he did, because that would uh, be a major game changer for Harold, and yes. he is just so rootable. You like, want him to... It, look, if those velocity reports were real, we'd be hearing the same kind of little whispers about them before this, similar to what we heard about Sapucky's velocity, because some scout or some Met staffer would be talking to some scout buddy going gaga over, look, Harold's a real pitcher now, like a real prospect now. That's not happening. Yeah, that's something that would people, I would, I would assume people would be, uh, have trouble keeping their mouth shut about, so, yep. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, now let's look at how the Mets hitting prospects are doing in spring training. <clears throat> First up is Ronnie Mauricio, Mets' top prospect. And in the first week of play, he is three for eight with a strikeout. And the only real observation I guess I have on Mauricio right now is that, goddamn, he got big. Hello, oh. third base. <laughs> Absolutely. Hello, hello, right. The size of that lad. Yeah, he got big. Um, I'm very curious to see how that plays out over a season. Like how his size, how he begins to handle it, because he's a kid still, and that's a new body he's learning, you know? Mm hmm. Hopefully, with size comes power. Um, Yeah. Power comes great responsibility. Okay, now he's (laughs) Spider Man. <laughs> I'm a little worried, I think. I mean, I'm generally the low guy on Mauricio, much as I was generally the low guy on Rosario, and I'm not bringing him as an example up to say, hey, look how smart I am. I'm saying that's a type of prospect I just don't like, where they have you know, great physical tools, young for their level and holding their own, no plate discipline, swings at everything. Like, I just, I don't. I feel like those flaws get amplified in this type of player and they don't always, don't usually get resolved. And I'm a little concerned that Mauricio is now beginning his, uh, slide down the defensive spectrum before figuring any of that stuff out. Right? Like he was kind of in this valley where, alright, he could be a monstrous hitting shortstop or he might just be a shortstop who doesn't hit so well. Or he could hit really well and not play shortstop. Or he could not hit well and not be a shortstop. And now he's moved over to that not a shortstop axis, right? And now he really needs to hit. It basically strips away the floor. Yeah. Well, I think it's still a little too early to say that he can't play shortstop. I mean, he looks huge. Definitely looks huge. Um... I did not see. I don't think I saw him play the field at all. I don't think anything's from what I've seen. I can't remember the last time something's been hit to him because he's been at yeah. shortstop in the game. <laughs> I, I just don't. I literally don't remember a play he's made. So wow. that's a good thing, I guess. Like I'd rather if I remember them, it's probably bad. <laughs> you can't mess up if you don't get the ball hit to you. Exactly. But I mean, he's he was six three one sixty five. Let's say he put on 20 pounds, and it's all... We're not talking about bad pounds here. We're talking about, like, he's been working out. He's getting jacked. Even if you put on, like, 20 pounds of muscle, that's still 6'3", 185. That's not, like, a human blob or anything like that. You know, that's still in the in the spectrum where you can still be a pretty good shortstop. I think that he was... The fact that he was never, like, traditional... Like his... His tools as a shortstop were never, they were kind of weird because he didn't have the traditional tools that the best shortstops had. I mean, 
well, that didn't sound right, but like he was kind of not quick twitch fast and he kind of didn't have the best range and the best speed. So I think that the, the visual aspect of seeing this huge guy now looking like him and you're going to say, oh, all that stuff is even worse now. But I think we really need to see, obviously, obviously we need to see what it looks like, but I want to see, you know, how it looks before we're going to say, well, he's definitely not a shortstop anymore. And he's I do want to move over to third. I do want to say the dream is that he never plays shortstop for the Mets because Francisco Lindor signs a 10 year deal and takes his position. That's so like, do you guys think, you guys think maybe we're overreacting a little bit to having seen last time we saw him in any meaningful way, he was like literally a child. Ken, that's yeah. exactly what's happening. <laughs> like, like a string bean. <laughs> like he's he's growing because like right. he's, a, he's a professional yeah. athlete who's Our, like work, I, you know. I still think he'd profile fine at third. Uh, the arm was always his best asset. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, he the goes to third. Doesn't matter as much. I think he goes to third more than second. I can't yeah. see him. Um, and as a third baseman, yeah, you have to hit, but like, there's enough. Um, I guess enough opportunities for defense to, to create value where maybe he doesn't need to be like a complete masher. So we'll see. Alternatively, trade him for Jose Ramirez. Sure. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. You still have time for that. You still have plenty of time for that. Was he the one who just like violated protocol? Yes. 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 Gotcha. So his trade value is even more depressed now. Gives the Indians an excuse to trade him, you know? <laughs> we'll take that. We'll take that problematic dude off your hands. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> sure, just give us a second top ten player in the same offseason. Yeah. Thanks, Cleveland. I see nothing wrong with that. All right, well, speaking of third baseman, then, let's look at one of the two big third basemen in camp, Mark Vientos. He went one for four with four walks and a strikeout. <clears throat> Obviously, these are spring training numbers. They don't really mean much, but it's encouraging to see so many walks and only one strikeout so far. Yep. Um, in Columbia 2019, he had a pretty poor walk rate. It was 4.8%, which is not good. Yep. And, yeah, scouting-wise, like... You could really see that he was struggling against seeing the ball and, you know, seeing the ball better is, is going to help you draw walks. So maybe he's improved the eye. It's, uh, you know, hopefully it's something that he's dedicated time to doing over the last year plus. Um, you know, it was, it was a legitimate criticism of him that that was really bad. So it would be nice to see if he's improved that somehow. Um, also getting some reps at first base. That's good. Uh, honestly, I don't really think it means much. Um, he is a fully capable third baseman at this point. Um, you know, just, just though, uh, probably not really able to do that much else besides to play third or first. So if you got to get more time in the field and it's at first, so be it. And really, at the end of the day, it really can't hurt too much. Yeah. Honestly, I think they're going to end up sending, like, Batty, Mauricio, and Vientos all to the same spot. Yeah. And uh, that makes I sense. think 
him getting reps at first is mostly in service of getting all three of them into a, a lineup together. So. Yep. And for me, I would rather see Batty in the field at third than yeah. Vientos in the field at third at this point of their respective minor league careers. Agreed. Also, another thing about his walks, and again, it doesn't really matter too much, but he is does only have uh, a single year of low A ball under his belt, and he is pitching. He's facing pitchers who are rusty, yes, but they are for the most part, you know, bona fide major league guys. So it's good to see that he's doing well against guys who have a lot more experience than him. He's definitely quietly interesting in the system. Yes, absolutely. He's someone that I don't think about a lot in terms of prospects, but... Weirdly, he's a prospect fatigue guy at this point a little bit, at least for us. Maybe not on a... Certainly not on a national level, because most people aren't looking at the Mets as closely as we do. But for us, it's like we've been talking about Vientos for forever, it feels like. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say there's room to get on the hype train with me if you guys want to come on Hey, look, if he's going to run, if he's running a four to one walk ratio in the first month of the minors, I will be on the hype train with you. Hell, if he's running like, one, like a one to two walk to strikeout ratio, I'll be on that hype train. I'd really like to see him just demolish a ball mm-hmm. before hopping back on the train. That would be cool. Because with him, it's always going to be about the power, you know? Mm-hmm. Next guy is a newcomer, Khalil Lee. And he, uh, in his Mets debut here, his first week of playing in the Mets uniform, he went 0 for 6 with a walk and three strikeouts. And I know that word got around that he improved his swing and... I don't know if the Mets have been fooling around with it or if he's just kind of reverting or whatever the case may be, but the, the, the swing or just rusty needs to get back into the, huh, needs to get back into the swing of things. Uh-huh. But it, it just, it just looked really poor to me. Just everything, all the issues that we heard that he had with it about keeping in sync and planting his feet early and just his hand path not being that great. Like just, it all looked magnified, you know, maybe it was because, that's early. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to cut him off yet. Oh no, 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 definitely not. But he needs to. Uh, those are the things that basically is that his swing can get pretty out of sync, as I think it has been yes. this this week in spring training, and that holds the hit tool back. And when the hit tool gets held held back, the power doesn't manifest in game. And he's a guy that has plenty, plenty of power. And, you know, he's basically a speed power threat. Um, has he played the field at all? He's been playing the corners mostly, which I found a little strange, but. It is because he's a center fielder by trade, so. And supposedly not, not too bad of one either. I wonder if they're just kind of like go out there, play right. Who cares? Like, mm-hmm. it's the seventh inning of a minor, of a spring training game. <laughs> That's Honestly. true, of course, yeah. Just I mean, go I'd up play the field. If, I wouldn't be surprised if the outfield was done the same way my softball's outfield is done, whoever gets to the <laughs> position first. <laughs> ah, yes. I was going to say, that, 
it does sound like an organizational philosophy of the outfield is just just get out there and go play somewhere. Like <laughs> just put the why, stand there. <laughs> yeah, that's why Michael Conforto and Johannes Cespedes are uh, and Brendan Nimmo are center <laughs> fielders. Mm-hmm. He's he's someone to keep an eye on. I want to see how the swing, if it is something that he's reverting back to, if it's just him not facing life like actual pitching in over a year, like, sure, he was in Puerto Rico for, like, 15 games, but that's not... I mean, we got that one clip out of that Winter League game where he just demolished that baseball, yeah. and the swing looked great, but... So it's that, like, the, the changes are something that he's working on, I just don't, maybe he needs to just keep, the reps need to keep building, you know? Right. Just hoping. Uh, next guy, Francisco Alvarez. He had a pretty quiet week. He went over three with a strikeout. Uh, have no input whatsoever. Nope. He's young. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, no, that's it. Like, that's really it. Yeah. You'd like fully yeah. expect him to be overmatched at this level. I'm much more concerned with watching him play defense, which we've not seen really. So, whatever. Yep. Um, next up is the newest top, uh, newest first round draft pick, Peter Armstrong. He laced a triple. Uh, we know that he has plus speed. I timed that hit first to home to first at four second and 4.02 seconds, which is plus plus for a left handed yeah. hitter, which is awesome. Wait, yeah, on the triple? Yeah. Yep. It was, uh, it was a solid hit. So off he's, the base. he's taking a turn then. Yes. So you hit that over the right fielder's face. Or not right. face, but like over the right <laughs> fielder. <laughs> Sorry, face. Um, so yeah, you're getting a turn in there too. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not going to get a straight line. Nope. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Cool. in that corner. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a nice swing too. Really turned yeah. turn inside pitch. Nice ball. And the, the big thing with him is like his power is kind of questionable, but we definitely not, like he does have uh, plus side power, and that's a great example of what he is capable of doing. He could kind of smack the ball back up to center, some, you know, uh, opposite field, and then really turn on it when he's pulling it, like he did here. It was basically right off the base of the right field wall, or just right off the dirt in front of it. Would have been a double minimum, you know, if, if the fielder hadn't dived and kind of missed it. Um... And honestly, I think that he might have even had a chance for an inside. I was going to say, yeah. And by the time the ball's already kind of being recovered, he was a quarter of the way between second and third. So if he wants to go for it, I think it would have been close. Maybe I, in a game you go for it, but maybe yeah, like choking. I hope in the future that he is the kind of guy that takes risks like that because he's an exciting type of player. And that's just fun baseball. That's the type of at-bat that you're like, oh, I see why he was the first round pick. You know, like it's mm-hmm. obviously the sample size of one at-bat, but lefty-lefty <laughs> turning on an inside pitch and getting a stand-up triple out of it, like that's that's the good stuff. Love to see it. And last but not least is the other third baseman, the other third big third baseman in camp, Brett Beatty. And Beatty went two for four with a double, and he struck out. And he showed very good opposite field power, which is 
you know, I, I saw a lot of that in Kingsport. Um, he, it looks like to me like he slimmed down a little bit. He seems a little more athletic. Um, yeah. Hmm? I was going to say that, yeah. He looks oh, like okay. he's in pretty good shape. Yeah. Um, definitely a good thing. It can't hurt. Honestly, if he's, you know, he was a guy in high school, which wasn't that long ago for him, that was a multi-sports multi, uh, star, and he was a big basketball guy too. And if he could stay slim like he is now, maybe work on his, you know, athleticism a bit if he can. Like, could you see him being put in the outfield? Sure. Sure. Uh... I mean, the Mets throw anybody in the. I mean, Dom Smith is in the outfield, so I mean, I guess anybody <laughs> But On a scale of one to J.D. Davis in left field. <laughs> right. The weird thing is I feel like J.D. Davis' problem isn't entirely his athleticism. He just, like, can't he track a ball. Know yeah. He just right. doesn't have the he, he, he doesn't have the instincts to play major He's certainly not fleet of foot, but it's not like he's Ike Davis or something. Sorry, did, did I ever play? No. Okay. He's not Lucas Duda. So that was a step too far, even for the <laughs> yeah. early 2010s. But we all we all remember how bad Lucas Duda was in the outfield, and he was the one they chose to put in the outfield. Noted outfielder Lucas Duda. Those are good old days. <laughs> but yeah, Betty, he has looked pretty solid, both physically and performance. I like the swing. I like the Duda. swing as well. Those were, I mean, you know how Keith always rants about Conforto using the opposite field? Beatty's hits look like Conforto using the opposite field. Just like taking what the pitcher's giving Yep, yep, mm-hmm. and, and hitting it with authority. Like, that's very encouraging. Yep. Yeah, it's just, he's going to go as far as how much contact he could actually make. Because I think he'll be able to uh, hit the ball hard when he does. It's just the bat-to-ball stuff. Mm-hmm. And him turning into a modern day kind of Adam Dunn, that's an amazing outcome if that's kind of how it goes down. If he's just never really able to hit enough to be, you know, a dependable, kind of reliable hitter, but he draws plenty of walks to, to make up for that, and obviously he has plenty of power. I would be thrilled with an outcome like that. I mean, Adam, Adam Dunn at third base is a Hall of Fame player. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Dunn at third base is quite the player. Especially if he's just... He doesn't have to be a gold glover there, but, like, if he's a solid third baseman, I'll take that. If he's J.D. Davis. Adam Dunn was a career 237, 364, 490 hitter. I loved Adam Dunn so much. That's and not that bad. includes, That's like, the That's not bad really, at all. No. Yeah, yeah. No, and that includes, you know, um, he was basically... Yeah, some pretty rough years. <laughs> and that's basically Brett Beatty's floor. That's the minimum. <laughs> yes, yes, that's... Uh... Adam Dunn hit 260 a few times, which obviously batting oh. average is batting average, but that's higher than I would ever ever pinged Adam Dunn for. Well, it's like uh, Joey Gallo, like last year or two years ago, whatever, he hit like 280 or something. Yeah, something he he had he had one batting average here. Gallo's hysterical. But yeah, I mean I I he mean had obviously in twenty nineteen. 
Hmm. But Adam Dunn is maybe not the best, you know, guy, but that's the first guy that pops into my mind and probably a lot of people's minds in terms of like that kind of true outcomes guy where Jay Bruce, Bruce, there you go. Well, I tried not to think think about Jay Bruce. Yeah. Bruce at third base. Very good player. I'll take that. Yeah. I like Adam Dunn better. (laughs) (laughs) Don't like, don't like Jay Bruce. But, but, yeah, but seriously, only if he if he walks like he can, because I think he has good um, he has a good eye, and he has the ability to like really drive the ball. He doesn't have to hit the ball every at bat to be a good player. Honestly, you know who comes to mind when I, I see him swing the bat a little bit? Honestly, like Brandon Nimmo, like um, the same kind of uppercutty swing. Yep. Um, I see it. I can see that. I see a lot of. of he looks um, like him a little bit too. Like in and, his face. and I think the problem, one of the things he's going to have to face is, you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to hit the ball up in the zone. Just looking at the angle of his uh, swing. He's, he's a low ball golfer. Yeah. So Nimmo had the same problem, still has the same problem. A lot of it's going to, you know, a lot of his future is going to come down to how he deals with it. So. Yeah, because Nimmo just doesn't swing at the pitch, so it just doesn't, doesn't swing and dares pitchers to, you know, locate yeah. there and not miss, you know. Yeah, because he'll because just if walk. you miss two inches down, that that's a dinger. <laughs> yeah, and and then if you don't miss, it's a walk because Nimmo is like a top three eye in the sport. Yeah. <laughs> but like, so like if if Beatty can figure that, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like uh, like Freeman is also similar with that, where he doesn't hit the uh, the high <laughs> pitch at all and just takes it. And as long as Beatty could like lay off that pitch and dare the pitchers to locate it right where he wants them to, then he could be fine. Nimmo's a good comp for him, actually. I like that. I don't think he smiles as much, but mm. PCA, I think we can have a competition between their smiling and obviously Francisco Lindor. Oh, yes. All right, so... That's pretty much everybody. Um, and there's obviously other minor league farmhands that are in camp, but these are just, these are the top prospects. This is pretty much top prospect like one through nine <laughs> in the system right now. Mm-hmm. So who is going to be your spring training dark horse? Basically, you know, our king of spring training. Who Of these prospects, who do you think is going to be the most impressive it doesn't necessarily have to be the guy that is you know it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the traditional king of spring training and that he just hit the ball the best but who is the guy that you guys think is going to open the most eyes or change the most minds or just kind of whatever you know i think it's going to be Beatty, honestly agreed because i think he unfairly gets cast aside because that was the Matthew Allen draft. And granted, Matthew Allen is probably going to be very, very good. But he was a first-round pick for a reason, and I don't think people really talk about him a lot. And the swing has impressed me in the few at-bats I've seen him already. Like, you see it, and you're just like, I understand that he probably is going to be able to hit, you know? And Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> I, I was just saying, and, like, I feel like he kind of is uh, – by the wayside type guy in the system itself. Like people don't really, especially because he showed up and then played and then COVID hit and he didn't play last year. Like we in front of anyone. So 
we basically have like two months of data on him as like a major league prospect. I also think there was a lot made of him being an older prep prospect. And ding. I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how much. That ding, ding, ding. Now that literally everybody has lost time and every, all, all of the top prospects, himself included, um, have had the same development for the last year of being at an alternate site playing against, you know, varied talent. I think a lot of that gets washed away. Everybody's behind now. Yeah. For me, I'm, I'm assuming, Ken, that your uh, baby is your dark horse as well. I guess, yeah. I've liked how Mauricio swung a little bit. Um, His RBI single was nice. Poked it the other way, I think. I, I would like, like, he's always had good feel to hit. Um, I think if some power ends up making it in there, uh might kind of change the conversation people are going to be having about him. If he starts hitting with power. Yeah, if he if he shows you know say he takes somebody deep, um, just really a couple one. bombs before you know going back down. Like I think people might take um, might the, the conversation might change from like athletic toolsy shortstop to more of like, okay maybe this guy will be a hit power kind of corner guy. I don't know. The the weird thing about because I was thinking about this when you mentioned the segment I think in Slack. Steve, but like so, so many of these prospects are so young that like Alvarez looks kind of outmatched, and that's fine because he's facing guys who yeah. he shouldn't be facing yet, you know. Mm-hmm. And like, literally like he's, has never played above the appy. <laughs> like, exactly. Like it's fine that he doesn't look amazing right now because he probably if, if he did, then we'd be having a whole different conversation. Like it's the reason why like three at bats. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's true too. And like the reason why that that PCA triple was something that popped out, I was just like, oh, that's like a lot of power early in spring when it's like real people pitching, you know, it's like, he's never even had any experience, but, um, yeah, they're so young that like Beatty is the person that sticks out for me. Lucas, who also wore Beatty. I was, so I was going to go with Beatty, like, like much. Three babies. Yeah. I mean, Nimmo is my boy, you know, uh, and I agree that he's, that Beatty has looked quite Nimmo ish. Um, so any any outcome in in that vein would be uh, a plus. I mean, I don't want to. Like we said already, Nimmo has a top three eye in the game, and yeah. you really should never comp any <laughs> prospect to someone with a top three X in the game. Uh, but if he's Nimmo with a little less eye and a little more power, that's a, a, a great player as well. Yeah, like the poor man's Brandon Nimmo is a hell of a player anyway. So. Yeah. Who are the two people with a better eye than Brandon Nimmo at this point? I think Ken said one with Freeman. No, I, the, all him, um, Nimmo, and uh, Batty all remind me of each other swing wise. But yeah. I'm saying like, like even Freeman's eye is really good too. Yeah, oh yeah, true. Let's find out. I say like it's Vado and no one else almost, but I'm. What I'm what a Nimmo what do you want to do? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly how you judge it. Now? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, let's just go walk percentage. Yeah, that's the 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 easy way out to do it. Brandon <laughs> Nimmo is seventh. In walk percentage uh, since 2018, yeah, because I don't think he walked as much in 2020. I mean, He's there's down, also there's also he went down to 14 percent. Turn his neck. 
He walked yeah, the most. That's also true. Yes. He walked the most that year. Eighteen percent. Huh. Uh, but yeah, Grandal, Muncy, Santana, Juan Soto, Bryce We're... Harper, Mike Trout. So I mean, that's fine category to be. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> and Yasmani uh, Grandal, but he's very good. <laughs> good company. Pretty yeah. good group there. Soto's a really good shout for I. Yes. Because he's like you don't think of him as a good eye guy because he just hits homers, but it's because he swings at pitches that are good to well, hit and doesn't well, swing Juan, at anything. Uh, <laughs> we're we're having a revelatory take on the podcast today. Juan Soto, good hitter. Yes. <laughs> really? May I quote you on that? Yes. Please. <laughs> Please put it in the paper. Jack Kate. Well, uh, there'll be pl- there's plenty of room on the Vientos hype train when you guys want to switch tracks. I'll be over here. <laughs> Is that yours? That's my guy. Yeah. He'll always be your guy. He will. He, uh, he might not be very far away. Nope. I I am. Uh, he's in my mind. He's better. So like, um, there's nothing that Beatty does that's better. Except for walk. Except for <laughs> I was going to say, except for not swinging at spin. I, I also think there's like a full grade of bat- barrel control <laughs> that Batty probably has that Vientos doesn't, but we'll see. His eye is much better, and but um, everything else is comparable. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Vientos has the benefit of being younger than uh, a full year younger than Baby. That's crazy. True. Very true. <laughs> he has the benefit of being more advanced. Uh, you know, I mean, that kind of all has gotten screwed up now at this point with COVID and everything like that that went on last year. But and he did better at the same stops that they both have played. So basically, you know, GCL and and uh, Columbia RAP. I mean, not Columbia, Kingsport RAP Kingsport. I just think like we 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 can't really take anything from Batty's previous experience just because it was like his draft year. So, I don't know. I'm curious to see Batty this year. Like, yeah. I'm assuming he goes to Brooklyn, and I could see him kind of just flying through that and getting out of there pretty quick if he hits. Where do you it's think gonna... Vientos goes? Uh, probably Brooklyn. I mean, yeah. I think you could make an argument. Yeah, maybe double A. How I've been I thinking know. about all of this is like, no one knows. Know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard now. <laughs> you just fill in what you think last year would have looked like, <laughs> and then just crumple it up and throw it away because it just yeah. it's the, the the whose lines it anyway. It just don't matters. All right, well, let's wrap things up with the Wilpanery of the week. And the Will Pondery of the Week this week goes to Kristen Cinema, Democratic Senator from Arizona. <laughs> and just like the Will Ponds very often put their feet in their mouth and got bed press for saying and doing things that just really were not necessary. I don't know what Cinema was thinking, but she might be the most hated politician in America right now, even more so than Joe Manchin or Mitch McConnell. More than I mean, Manchin. Let's pump the brakes on more than Mitch McConnell for a second there. <laughs> Come on. But, you know, on Friday she voted no against raising the federal minimum wage to $15, literally with thumbs down and a curtsy. And then, if the optics were not bad enough, <laughs> she literally brought chocolate cake 
in for her staffers. It was completely unrelated to things, but the let them eat cake part is, it does not look good for her. Much more than the cake, I preferred the 2014 tweet that's making the rounds about the minimum right. wage being too low. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. But, I mean, she could have just voted no, and that's the end of it. But I don't know what she was thinking. I mean, I really would like to see a an interview with her just to see her state of mind, <laughs> why she yeah. thought that voting no with a big flourish would be a good idea. I don't know. Yeah. Wanting to interview someone for their state of mind is how I feel about every Wilpon thing for like 20 <laughs> years now. Like, just sit down for like three hours and be like, why? <laughs> why did you do this? he couldn't run. Why did you play him? <laughs> <laughs> and then we could actually tie this to the Mets, like actually to the Mets for a second. Um, I saw somebody... Um, commented on like the picture of her the video of her making that vote <clears throat> and she had uh, a bag she had like a giant like gym bag and it was a lululemon gym bag uh retail value 118 dollars whatever that you know for whatever it means espn a couple of months ago had a uh, an article where they're interviewing a bunch of minor league players and just talking about their financial situation with COVID and, you know, obviously not getting a lot, paid a lot even prior to that because minor leaguers made such shit wages. And one of the guys that they interviewed was Connor O'Neill, who is a Mets pitcher, relief pitcher. And he worked at Lululemon in California. Oh, yeah, and- yeah. And he'd regularly see he'd regularly see uh, well-off people dropping big money on stupid, overpriced clothes and bags like that. And who was the one asshole that he mentioned by name that was a complete dick? Didn't he see? He said he saw Trevor Bauer, right? And yep, then Bauer's yep, like, yep, nah, yep. that wasn't me." But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so of course it was fucking Trevor Bauer. I forgot about that story. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. Time has no meaning anymore. Nope. <laughs> Nothing has meaning. Yeah. Eat Arby's. Damn it, Ken beat me to it by half a second. <laughs> Fuck. And and we found the title of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> well, if anyone has any questions, comments, or whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complexofthequeens at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there if you like. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvahos343, Ken is at Ken1191, and Thomas is at SadMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it, and of course, thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets, love the Mets. <laughs> <laughs>